Hey folks, welcome to the Great Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Smith, and this is where we discuss five big topics, the gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. And what we're gonna be talking about here today is this question. How can you know if you've been brainwashed? And I think we all understand that we are constantly being influenced in ways that we really aren't aware of. And that's the insidious thing. We can be manipulated without even knowing it. And I don't think any of us are completely immune. I mean, think about it. Some soft drink company that spends $30 million on a Super Bowl campaign doesn't do it because it doesn't work. No, they do it because it does work. And if for some reason it didn't, then they'd fire the people that came up with that former campaign. They'd design another one uh, that would make their money back all by influencing enough people to buy their product. And I think as many people are now realizing, what we've kind of taken for granted as truth in nearly every aspect of society for years now is being revealed as nothing more than a multi-layered web of deception. I mean, just look at the people around you going about their daily lives. You know, they got their heads down, they're looking at their phones, their eyes are kind of glassy, they're swiping through scrolls of news, sharing all sorts of articles uh, with their friends about, you know, truth in government and health and education, media, art, science, you name it. And you get these diametrically contrasting viewpoints from so-called, and sometimes very legitimate, experts in virtually every field relating to any subject. I mean, that's commonplace. Um, there's all sorts of analysts and interpretive gurus offering their take on what you should absolutely believe. And the result leaves the average person kind of in a defeated heap, right? Confusion. You got your head in your hands thinking, how can I really un know what's true? Now, people shouldn't feel historically unique here as if they're struggling with this question. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor over the province uh, of Judea was a highly capable individual who served under Emperor Tiberius. Now, presumably, he would have had access to many privileges in this capacity, including significant wealth, a comprehensive education, and highly influential political and social standing. And yet, with all of that knowledge and experience, as he was looking at Jesus face to face, Pilate beheld truth incarnate within arm's reach, and he failed the ultimate test. He revealed his impotent intellectual foundations with his question, what is truth? And Jesus had just told him that he'd come to testify the tr to the truth in John 18, 38. I believe one of the main reasons people seem so flummoxed and off balance today in their understanding of truth is that most of us used to think that we did know what the truth of the matter surrounding the core structures and institutions of life were. Like family and marriage and gender identity and education and work, headship, duty, the sanctity of life, etc. I mean, when I was growing up, I often heard phrases like, well, do the right thing, or, well, they should have known better, and, well, everybody knows right from wrong, but not anymore. So what changed? I mean, why couldn't Pilate recognize truth? Well, the fact is, Pilate's rejection of the true God excluded him from seeing and knowing the truth because the pantheon of Roman gods that he likely acceded to couldn't provide a sufficient foundation for truth. Only by acknowledging the existence of the triune God of Scripture can even the concept of knowledge be exhaustively justified. 
And only by comparing our thoughts to God's thoughts as revealed in his word can we understand if we're even close to knowing whether what we believe is true or not. Why? Because only the true God of the Bible knows everything, and only a being who knows everything can reveal the truth. If there's even one thing that God doesn't know for certain, that one bit of knowledge could overturn the revelation of God's word as truth, and then you could never know anything for certain. That said, if anyone should ever conclude an, in, uh, uh, an opposition to God's revelation, that conclusion should be automatically discarded as false. So what happened to our understanding of truth? Well, the further one's thinking moves away from belief in God, the more unstable his rationale becomes. Of course, many now have no belief in God at all. But we know, of course, that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Atheistic Thinking is foolish because it automatically dismisses the basis for truth, which is God. Atheism attempts to explain all of existence through naturalistic processes, automatically excluding the concept of a supernatural creator a priori, and they believe man is the starting point of reason. The Humanist Manifesto, the atheist-written creed, states, Religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Humanism believes that man is part of nature and that he emerged as a result of a continuous process. As non-theists, we begin with humans, not God, nature, not deity. You see, they self-confess their starting point is from the created rather than from the creator, confirming God's uh, verse in Romans 12.5 which says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And even though that there are many that would say they believe in God, many have allowed naturalistic philosophies to color their perception of who God is, thus stifling their understanding of truth. The fact is the amount of change that we've observed in Western society over such a short period couldn't have happened by sheer accident. So why have so many people abandoned the truth of God's word? Simply put, they abandoned truth when they accepted a new way of determining truth, what they termed science. It's kind of a rather overused phrase today is the all too common follow the science, which seems more like a throwback to days gone by in, in the past when the concept of science was held in high esteem by the general public before science was politicized. Now, interestingly, it was secularists who used the idea of science as truth to replace the Christian worldview in the West. Many scientists told generation after generation that the Bible's account of origins was scientifically incorrect, as it indicated that God had created the world in six days only a few thousand years ago, while science had supposedly proven the world had evolved over vast periods of time and, of course, could account for all of, the, all of existence through purely naturalistic processes. And this new fount of knowledge was then used to call into question not only matters surrounding the age or the development of life on earth, but also biblical values pertaining to ethics and morality as well. This was accomplished through the de deceptive use of logical trickery known as equivocation. 
by lumping in historical science, which attempts to discover historical events by examining observable facts in the present, under the umbrella of operational science, which achieves results based on repeatable observable experiments, many people concluded that informed guesses about the past were on par with repeatable conclusions demonstrated in the present. It should be obvious that the facts in a murder trial can be legitimately interpreted in a wide variety of ways, all of which could be wrong because no one actually saw the crime taking place and we can't repeat the experiment, so to speak. But this isn't the same as concluding, for example, what temperature water boils at. I've used that example before at sea level through observational experiment. There is no interpretive bias in the boiling of water. Regardless of the philosophical disposition of the researchers, all agree that water boils at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level. However, all interpretations involving historical science, particularly in the area of ultimate origins, are bound to be interpreted through some kind of biased lens on the part of the researcher. Um, again, we've used this example, but in a murder trial, the prosecutor will automatically interpret all facts through a lens attempting to prove the guilt of the accused, while the defense attorney automatically interprets the same facts as evidence proving their client's innocence. The supposed facts don't speak for themselves, they are spoken for. That's because both lawyers have a preconceived bias or way of looking at and interpreting the evidence before they even take the case. And the fact is that many a guilty as charged person has been exonerated with the discovery of new information. Now, did the truth change? No, because historical science can't guarantee absolute truth. Meanwhile, water still boils at the same temperature. And this is what we constantly see in the areas of historical science. Take the issue of attempting to determine the age of the earth. Here's a quote from a cave specialist describing the interpretive nature of dating Carlsbad Caverns, a cave system in the U.S. containing many stalactites and stalagmites, which were at one time interpreted as, by evolutionists as having formed over many thousands of years. From 1924 to 1988, there was a visitor sign above the entrance to Carlsbad Caverns that what said Carlsbad was at least 260 million years old. In 1988, the sign was changed to read 7 to 10 million years old. Then for a little while, the sign read that it was 2 million years old, and now the sign is gone. Okay, so what happened? Well, scientists gathered new data over time, and they updated their estimations, and updates are fine. Um, that's the way science should work. But which date was factual? 260 million years, 7 to 10 million years, or 2 million years? Another example is from Professor Klaus Rolfs from Ruhrs University, commenting on the accuracy and reliability of the assumptions built into radiometric dating methods. Now, when commenting on the issue of nuclear properties decaying at constant rates in order to determine the dates of various rock samples, he said the following. When I was studying physics, my teacher said nuclear properties are independent of the environment. You can put nuclei in the oven or the freezer or any chemical environment or, and the nuclear properties will stay the same. That's not true anymore. Hmm. You see, we need to understand that historical science is certainly not absolute.
Man's conclusions about the facts are about the past are not facts. It's man's word versus God's word. And just like Professor Rolf's conclusions regarding nuclear decay rates of almost everything that people previously knew to be true in society, the culture now says, well, that's not true anymore. You see, previously we knew that marriage was the union of a man and a woman, but that's not true anymore. We knew that there were only two genders, but that's not true anymore. And we knew human life was precious no matter what side of the womb it was on, but that's not true anymore. We knew clothing was a covering for sin and shame, but that's not true anymore. And if you ask the average university student in Canada whether they can know anything for certain, the majority will tell you with certainty that they can't. By definition, God cannot make mistakes, and his ways are far beyond and you know, above our ways. His thoughts are perfect, and ours are clouded and plagued by sin. They're not perfect. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55, 8-9. to However, the Lord implores us to conform our will to his will by renewing our minds so that we can know his will and walk in it, thinking God's thoughts and precepts after him. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12, 12. Now, this doesn't mean that God's people should be all assembled into some kind of mind-numbing mass, all chanting and marching in unison. God has created incredible diversity in people with differing talents and personalities and propensities that can serve in harmony while maintaining individuality. As a, as a practical and spiritual matter, we all need each other and are incomplete as Christ's body without one another. But bodies are meant to work in unison for a common purpose. And as Christ's ambassadors, we should all strive to think or act in ways that aren't contrary to God's thoughts. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, to spot a counterfeit currency, professionals need a standard that they reference. Because without a true unchanging representation of what's right, a genuine bill or coin, how could someone know what would be incorrect, wrong, a counterfeit? Now, some counterfeiters are clever and they come very close to the original, but ultimately they make mistakes. However, there is another way they could be even more effective. If the counterfeiters could replace the original, uh, the original with, a, with, a, with a fake of their own making, then attempts to evaluate genuine currency would fail. You see, truth requires absolutes, and without absolutes, there can be no truth. Like our counterfeiting analogy, absolutes provide a standard from which a person can gauge truth. So to understand the current chaos in the world, one needs to see the situation at a foundational level. 
You see, over time, secular-minded people replaced the real history in Genesis with a counterfeit history and slowly dismantled what everyone knew as truth. If the story of evolution is true, then there can be an innumerable number of genders. If we are just evolved pond scum, well, why can't you get rid of the inconvenient, whether unborn babies or people with disabilities? Marriage can be whatever we define it to be, because we then become the standard of truth, not God. And now the culture has gone mad trying to find a standard for truth within an ideology that cannot provide one. So how can you know whether you've been brainwashed or not? To know the answer to that question, first you have to have an absolute standard to compare your thoughts to. And I don't just mean a made up arbitrary standard, but an objective truth that transcends man's opinion. And having done so, if you discover that what you think and believe doesn't match that standard, then you will know that you've been negatively influenced. Do you believe the world is millions of years old? Do you believe that dinosaurs died out long before man existed? Do you think that we've evolved from ape-like creatures? Do you think Noah's flood is just a made-up story? If so, it's not because of the Word of God, but the counterfeit history taught by the world based on man's fallible interpretations of origins. Ultimately, we will all fail to understand everything around us with pure clarity. And we've all been deceived at some point in our thinking. However, it's in the knowledge that God's Word is true from beginning to end and the striving to compare what we believe in accordance to what the truth that it provides us with, that's the only way we'll ever be able to attain it. As Philippians 4.8 uh, tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As always, if you're appreciating the content, please visit theanswersingenesis.ca website and consider donating to the ministry and whatever platform you're accessing this from probably has some kind of combination of features that allows you to subscribe and share and perhaps write a review. And we'd appreciate you taking the time to do that because it's probably the number one thing that you can do to help us continue to do outreach. So until next time, I'm Cal Smith. Blessings to you and yours. Mm-hmm.